We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select. Welcome to Picks for Pace, presented by the Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome to Picks for Pace, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report and Blue Wire Pods. My name is Andrew Freeman, and of course, I'm happy to be joined by my co-host, Usain Koshal. We are recording this episode on Wednesday, December 8th, uh, following a pretty lackluster effort, to put, put it kindly, for the Bears in their 33-22 loss to the Arizona Cardinals. You know, this was a tough game to watch for me. You said I was, it kind of got to a point to where, you know, Andy Dalton throws that really horrible interception on the first drive of the game. Arizona goes right down scores. And then Komet has the drop leading to an interception on the very next drive. And from that point, you just kind of knew that, okay, this is the way this game is going to go. It's not going to be a fun experience. Um, you know, what were your thoughts from that game on Sunday? Uh, first of all, how are you doing today, man? But, you know, other than that, football-wise, what were your thoughts on that game for the Bears on Sunday? Well, personally, I'm doing well. I think in terms of talking about the Bears, it's been crazy because everything that went wrong for the Bears in this game is everything that the Bears didn't need to go wrong if they were going to have a chance. And, again, the Bears had their chances in this one. I know there's a point in the second half where it was like 24-14 to 14 and the Bears got the stop, but then Andy Dalton threw his third interception – and the Bears had the opportunity to kind of close the gap at that point, but it just didn't happen. But when you look at the first two drives, I mean, when you're throwing basically back-to-back interceptions and setting up this explosive big play Cardinals offense with a short field, it's an issue because this Cardinals team, they're a team that doesn't get enough love in terms of being amongst the best in the NFL this year. I know all the loves in the NFC, especially is going to the Green Bay Packers as well as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers but the Cardinals are right up there and hey look they've got a really good offense as we saw with Kyler Murray leading the way Cliff Kingsbury's done a phenomenal job kind of just turning the entire team around they have what is a Super Bowl championship 
defense. And so the cards really came out and dominated the Bears in every facet of the game. But the Bears did lead in four categories, time of possession, first down, turnovers, and then total yards. Now, the Cardinals didn't have 300 total yards, but hey, they came out and they basically executed when it mattered the most. And the Bears have kind of been one of the worst teams in the NFL all season when it comes to slowing down explosive plays in the passing game. And the Cardinals took full advantage of that. Yeah, it was one of those where you kind of knew the direction this was going to take uh, before the game even started, where, you know, the Cardinals, they are, you know, probably they, they have the best record in the NFL right now for good reason. You know, two of those games they, they won were without Kyler Murray, by the way, too. So they were, they were starting Colt McCoy for a couple of games. You know, they, they've had some injuries uh, throughout. So there's key players on both sides of the ball, and they just keep on chugging along. Like, this is a really dang good football team, which should be said – right away here so it's understandable for the bears you know they have a lot of injuries on defense right now Andy dalton was a starter not justin field so it's understandable for the direction of this game to go the way it went um but it's just it's so frustrating because i mean like you said uh if you're looking at this game just for me if, if you're an outsider's perspective and you're just looking at this game didn't watch the game at all just looked at the box score um, trying to figure out what happened, you know, ignore the interceptions here. You just look at it, you know, the Bears, like you said, they dominated the time of possession. They were, you know, getting yards. They were picking up first downs. They they converted all their fourth down opportunities when they got them. And, you know, they were picking up, you know, like I said, a lot of first downs. And, you know, generally they were pretty efficient in the red zone as well. You know, they got, they got some touchdowns here and there. You know, they got the run game going in the first half, although, you know, some of that has to do with the fact that I kind of tweeted this out. You know, the Cardinals, their strategy – in and of itself on defense is kind of the force you to run the ball. They want you to run the ball because that means they're limiting explosive passing plays. And eventually they're going to get a stop and force you to have to beat them on second and third and long in the passing game, which is exactly what, exactly what happened in this game uh, for the most part. And they pretty much force Andy Dalton to have to beat them through the air. And it was, it was just one of those things where Andy Dalton just couldn't do it. And I, I, I don't know. You know, certainly the injuries and the lack of depth for the receiving position hurts him when you have guys that just aren't separating. But some of these interceptions in this game were just so bad. And you have to wonder, like, if Justin Fields – I know Andy Dalton's been, has been propped up as this, you know, system quarterback who, you know, doesn't – won't make too many mistakes, who's going to efficiently execute the offense and hit the gimmies when they're there. And that was not the case in this game. You know, the first interception was just a horrible throw to Jakeem Grant – you know, if you look at that play, they were running, I think it was either a short cross or it looked like mesh to me. And Jakeem Grant got wide open on the mesh play right there. He was wide open on the crossing road. He gets gets that ball in stride. That's an easy first down right there. You're starting off well on your first drive of the game. And instead, Andy Dalton throws it high and way behind Jakeem Grant. And those are those are the throws that you just cannot make. Um, he had the other one where he got tips, but if you really look at the trajectory of the ball, it was going to be intercepted either way. Um and then the last one was just comically bad in terms of I, I know it was a design screen pass. He's gonna he's gonna have to throw the ball, but you know, the fact that he didn't look off the defensive lineman whatsoever, and he kind of just threw it blindly right there. Uh, you know, that stuff happens, but it, it was a great play by the defensive lineman. I'm not gonna take anything away from him, but it was just a really bad day for Andy Dalton out there. And it kind of gives a bleak picture of what this season could have looked like had the Bears, you know, not had every single lucky break go their way for Justin Fields to fall. I mean, kind of in their lap here for them to trade up and go get him because, you know, just imagine a scenario where Andy Dalton was a starter all year long 
and we're trudging through this where they probably take a you know a day two quarterback like Kellen Mond or Davis Mills way too high in the second round. And we're looking forward to next year with this quarterback class being as weak as it is. Uh, it, it paints a, a bleak picture of the future here, you know, because there are a ton of issues with this team and they got exposed on, on Sunday where, you know, the Cardinals, they were just on a completely different level than the Bears in all facets of the game here. Well, you're right. And I want to say this because you mentioned next year's quarterback class and how it's significantly weaker compared to the 2021 quarterback class. I was one of the people last year on this podcast that kind of was not fully open to taking a quarterback in 2021 and kind of adding to the roster and then saying, hey, maybe we draft the quarterback in 2022. But obviously, when it comes to this position, especially when it comes to the draft, it's hard to look two, three, four years ahead into the future and really project what classes are going to look like, especially at quarterback, because things are so fluid and things change. Now, if you were to tell me that Justin Fields was going to drop all the way to 11 and the Bears were going to have a legit shot at getting him last year at this time, I would have been all for saying, all right, we're pulling the trigger on a quarterback in 2021. But when you look at the Cardinals, just from the perspective of how they built their roster, I think that roster building can serve as a model for the Bears for what should be a quicker turnaround, depending on who the next GM and head coach of the Bears are. And the reason I bring it up is because if you remember the Cardinals, I mean, they had three, four, five really good years under Bruce Arians, and then Arians retires in 2018's a down year. And then they draft Josh Rosen. Well, guess what? The Josh Rosen experiment really didn't work out because Steve Kime and Michael Bidwell, the GM and the owner, the GM who built the roster under with Bruce Arians, the same guy who's built this current roster. He identified, hey, Kyler Murray's more dynamic than Josh Rosen. Cliff Kingsbury's leaning more towards Josh. I'm sorry, Cliff Kingsbury was a first-year head coach in 2019. He was kind of leaning more towards Kyler Murray, knowing he was going to be a better fit in the system, and it was kind of accelerate the rebuild up just a bit more so what do you do you know you go out and you draft your quarterback and then you start surrounding him with talent they've drafted really well over the last couple of years they haven't been super super active in free agency i'd say or the trade market but the one big splash move has been the steal that they got in the deandre hopkins trade where they gave up like two day three picks and so the point is is that the cardinals are a model for the bears and just showing that once you find and figure out and identify who that franchise quarterback is you need to just continue to build around him. And they've done that by drafting well at wide receiver. They've done that by drafting well at um, along the offensive line too, figuring out, hey, what's the ideal run game that's going to work? They've done that by basically bringing in veterans that weren't going to be paid by all their teams like James Conner and signing them in the second or third wave of free agency and saying, hey, you know what? We see and we identify you as a player that has just a bit left in the tank. We're going to go out and draft you. And then how about some of the Cardinals' first-round picks over the last couple of years? You have Kyler Murray. Well, guess what? The following year, you add on Isaiah Simmons, a really dynamic linebacker from Clemson. And then this year, you add a um, linebacker in Xavier Collins, I believe. So they have a really good young core. And more so what it's been is like quality over quantity necessarily. And they're just going out and drafting players based on what they've done along with upside and not merely just upside, which is something the bears tend to do a lot in the draft. Yeah. they certainly have shown that they're not afraid to take risk. And, you know, the thing is, you know, you look at going back to that faithful decision where they decided to move off of Josh Roshan and, and go to Calamari. I mean, that's not an easy thing to do. You trade up to draft a quarterback the year before. And then after one year, you're deciding, all right, we got to scrap that. We're going to go to this guy. We think he's going to be, even, you know, he's going to be special, you know, 
let's see if we can get what we can for this other guy and, and go a new direction here. That's a tough decision to make. And you look what they've done since then to support Kyler Murray. You look at all the weapons they've added. Look at Christian Kirk. Um, you look at the DeAndre Hopkins trade is the trade of all trades. And they just kept on adding on to it. Rondell Moore in this past draft, you know, investing in a left tackle like TJ Humphreys, who's, who's really panned out for them. And then you know, they trade for Rodney Hudson in the offseason. And the thing I'll mention here is, you know, this is going to be key for the Bears because, you know, the first thing they need to figure out is what are they going to do with GM Ryan Pace? You know, are they keeping him, which I would recommend against, or are they letting him go, which I, I would rather do. I'd rather reset the, you know, the entire thing here, top to bottom. Let's get new leadership in here and see what they can make out of this roster and, and go to a little bit of a rebuild here because that's what the Bears need. You know, this is an old aging roster right now. They're look at the defense. They have a lot of big contract guys like Robert Quinn is playing awesome right now. He had another sack on this game on a, on a fluky play, the first passing of the game, first passing play of the game for the Cardinals there where Calum really just dropped the ball on a uh, RPO play. Um, you know, you have to look at the situation where, you know, who are the guys that are going to be here in two to three years now that are going to be contributing and playing at a high level? And who can we realistically move on uh, next offseason and see if we can reset the deck here? Um, you know, Robert Quinn has to be someone where you have to think about, is he going to be here moving forward? Even, you know, as much as I love him, Cleo Mack is the guy you have to think about, you know, is he going to be here? David Montgomery, are we going to be paying him a second contract here? He's going into the final year of his rookie, de rookie deal next season. So do we try to trade him early and get some value off of him or, you know, do we play the waiting game here and see if we can get him on a deal that's, you know, more team friendly for a, you know, running back? Because typically you don't want to pay those guys too much money. But, you know, if, if Dave Montgomery continues to play like this, um, I'm not sure, you know, if Ryan, if Ryan Pace would be still here, Ryan Pace would probably pay him. And that, that's kind of things you have to think about here. And then you get to the head coaching decision. It, it's pretty obvious at this point, Matt Nagy, this is his last year in Chicago. It's clearly over here. It, it, it's over. It, it, it's not working. The offense continues. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. It doesn't matter what the offensive line combination is. It doesn't matter who's out there at wide receiver. I know the talent isn't great across the board, but he's not elevating this unit. It, it's not getting any better. And it, it's just, it's gotten to a point to where, you know, we saw a lot of players on the defensive side of the ball, especially making business decisions where Kyle Murray had that one um, touchdown run, his second touchdown of the day where, uh, you know, you could see Jalen Johnson was like, nope, I'm not going to make that tackle. I'm going to be not, not necessarily just not trying, not, not trying any effort, but just saying like, you know, I could go the extra mile here and make a diving attempt for a tackle, but what's the point here? This season it's over. We know wh where this thing is headed and it's, it's not good. We have, you know, those reports of, uh, assistant offensive line coach leaving to be the offensive line coach in Nebraska. So you have coaching staff, you know, there's been a, a some coaching staff changes over the last ever since this offseason really is where the writing is on the wall here everyone knows Matt Nagy is getting fired and I think the next step is you know once the Bears figure out what are they doing organizationally at the GM spot you know who is going to be that next head coach because you look at the Cardinals in their situation they went completely outside the box going to a Cliff Kingsbury who he was on nobody's radar he wasn't even you know a head coach at the time in college football he had been fired um, at his old job I believe, I believe at Texas Tech and was just looking to be an offensive coordinator in college at the time. And they brought him along. And, you know, that was a decision where a lot of people panned the move. You know, they thought they were going way too outside the box there. Um, they were trying too hard to kind of find that next Sean McVay. 
And it's kind of, it's weird because, you know, the first two years were kind of rocky for her, uh, Cliff Kingsbury and this Arizona Cardinals team, but it's really paid off this year. They found the right mix. He's found the right mix as a head coach. So you have to look into this thing where, you know, there's a lot of intriguing names for the Bears out there at head coach. And it, it's one of those where we, we don't know what the coaching landscape is going to be like when we eventually get to the offseason. Certainly a lot of that depends on how many openings there are, you know, who is going to be allowed to leave their respective teams, who wants to leave to their respective teams. And, you know, the Bears have, a, have an interesting decision here. Do they go with a more safe, you know, retread maybe, a safer hire and, and try to go to somebody where there's not a lot of risk? Or do they try to go, you know, all in on somebody that they think could really be an innovator for this offense? Because, you know, at the end of the day, what's the environment going to be for Justin Fields when he eventually, you know, gets in a situation to where, um, he can develop and thrive in an offense that suits him. And there are just a ton of question marks that are not going to be answered, unfortunately, this year, because what we're going to be seeing over the next five games or so are, are basically a wash. Right. And, you know, one big point I'll make here, because you brought up Justin Fields and looking into the next head coach, I think that you can't just hire a guy for the sake of hiring a, someone to replace Matt Nagy. You need to hire someone who can legitimately build – a successful offense around what the bears have at the quarterback position that includes Justin Fields. So I understand that the hot names that have kind of been thrown around are names like Greg Roman and Lamar Jackson. Maybe the bears go ahead and surprise all of us and make an outside the box hire and basically say, Hey, we're going to dig deep into the college ranks and look at someone. But the point is, is that the bears need to find someone who just isn't a good play caller on offense. They need to find someone who's kind of built an offense from the ground up, right? They need to find someone who's going to be able to use Justin Fields dual threat skill set and then use it to the fullest advantage. And, I know I understand that NFL offenses are getting fancier and fancier with the vertical passing game. But at the end of the day, I mean, if you bring someone in here and this head coach's basic objective is just to run a play action pass scheme and kind of just go play action, naked bootlegs all the time. And Justin Fields ends up thriving. You know what? That's totally fine too, because people tend to forget something is that the bears don't need Justin Fields to be good for 30 one other teams the bears just need justin field to be good solely for the bears and that's the total end of it and so i know that this possibility has been thrown around too in terms of okay well the new regime and the new head coach is going to want their own guy at quarterback so you're going to see a josh rosen kyler murray type situation that's not going to happen because justin fields is far more talented than rosen or murray were coming out of college to even consider something like that happening and so ultimately he is going to be with the bears in 2022 it's just going to be a matter of what do the bears decide to do and do the bears hire someone that is going to make justin Fields successful oh yeah for, for sure uh, justin fields isn't going anywhere i think we've seen more than enough evidence that you know Justin fields has the talent and ability to be the guy here uh to be a franchise quarterback truly moving forward. I, I think the situation it makes things just so difficult on him because he's being asked to do so much so early in terms of having to play with a bad offensive line, having to lift up a bad receiving core, ha having to work around, you know, a coaching staff that just doesn't understand him and his talents and what, how to best utilize him. Um, and really just how to put together a competent NFL functional offense really is what the big issue here with me is with, uh, this coaching staff right now. So it, there's a lot of interesting things when we get to the offseason year. Unfortunately, we have five more games. I, I wish we could 
hit the sim button on the rest of this year just gets the offseason. I, I've already mentally I've been there for a while now, but you know, I, I can't wait. I I'm both excited and kind of terrified to see what the Bears do in the offseason because I, I have a feeling they're gonna make a decision where I'm not gonna like what they end up doing in terms of the GM and who they want to bring in a head coach. Um, I'm not feeling great about that, but you know, it's, it's exciting because at the end of the day, Justin Fields is the future of this franchise. And I have to go back to the fact that I, I'm really high on the player still. He's been what I thought he could be so far. He, he's been about what I expected so far. I know the stats aren't great. The results haven't been great so far, but I, I think when you look at where he's at right now, he's expected to be back healthy for this Packers game, which we'll get to in a little bit here. Um, you know, it's, it's, that's the one positive that's keeping me afloat here is that we have Justin Fields to look forward to in the future. And you just hope that the bears, they can finally figure it out and just right the ship with a new, new leadership and, and just get this team in a better direction going forward. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, so moving on from our Bears talk and everything going on from a negative standpoint there, we have uh, some interesting stuff to talk about in the college football realm uh, going on because, you know, we had conference championship this last week, kind of talked about it to where you know, the big game was obviously Alabama and Georgia. That was really going to be a decider here because, you know, it, for those who recall going into uh, this last weekend, it was not a guarantee that Alabama was going to be in the college football playoff, they were ranked at number three at the time. And then we get to this weekend, you know, other teams like Oklahoma State, uh, Notre Dame, they were in the mix. Cincinnati had to win their game in order to get in as well, you'd assume. And, you know, th this is one of those things where it just feels like, um, it, for me, you say, it, it felt like uh, watching this week, past weekend of college football that, you know, Alabama is here to stay. So to, to start off the weekend, uh, Oklahoma State lost to Baylor in the Big 12 championship. That effectively knocked them out of the running here. So it all comes down to basically if Alabama beats Georgia here, they're basically in it, and that knocks out Notre Dame. And Alabama, I mean, they just put on a, a fantastic performance. Uh, Bryce Young was excellent once again against, you know, the, Georgia has one of the best defenses of the last five to ten years or so. Uh, for, at the college football level. And Bryce Young, this Alabama defense, uh, offense, just torched them and picked them apart. It was really uh, fun to watch this game. And, you know, Alabama, they end up winning the game by quite a bit here against Georgia. 
And now you have a situation to where we know our final four, Michigan, they beat Iowa in, in what was expected to be a laugher. It was a laugher um, in terms of, you know, being a, a blowout there. So now our teams are Alabama, Michigan, Georgia, and Cincinnati. You said, what are your thoughts on the college football committee selections here? Did they get it right? And in terms of the matchups here, you have Alabama against Cincy, Mich- Michigan against Georgia. What are you looking forward to here for uh, this effectively, what is a final four here for college football season? Well, yeah, the rankings are, I think, always going to be questionable because you're always going to have a group of people that just don't agree with them. I mean, I understand Georgia lost to Alabama in the SEC championship, but then also there's an argument to be made that throughout this season, Georgia was certainly the better team. And then when you look at Alabama, I mean, listen, they had their really bright moments. People have to also understand that this is a relatively new Alabama offense outside of one or two players on the offensive line because the entire offense from the last two years has gone to the NFL. And then Bryce Young just being, whatever, 19, 20 years old. I mean, he's a complete stud whose upside's so high. He's actually farther ahead at this point right now in year one compared to where Tua Tagovailoa and Mac Jones were. But just looking at Alabama versus Cincy, I mean, look, big credit to Luke Fickle for and the Bearcats for sneaking into the playoffs and having a phenomenal season. But I do think Alabama is going to come on top in that game. This, The SEC championship game showed us all one thing, that you could be the number one ranked team all year like Georgia was. But then if you can't beat Alabama and you can't get over the hump, then you probably don't deserve to be number one. And then Michigan versus Georgia, I think, is the more intriguing team because Michigan's had an up and down last couple of years when it comes to football. And there are a lot of people kind of calling for Harbaugh's job. There was some rumors and speculation that he could possibly even leave Ann Arbor, make the jump back to the NFL. But that hasn't happened. And, hey, you know, credit to Michigan. They won their first Big Ten title in, I think, nearly 16, 17 seasons. So it's going to be a very intriguing game to watch the Michigan offense, especially the running backs like Hassan Haskins, go up against that really strong Georgia defense. Now, for Georgia, I think the big thing that's made all the difference in the world has been the quarterback. You're looking at those quarterbacks. Okay, they went from JT Daniels to – I forgot who the current guy's name is because it's just slipping my mind in the moment, but ultimately kind of what's happened is this is Georgia's shown that, Hey, we have a really good roster. We have a really good team. Kirby smart recruits were but they just can't figure out that quarterback position, which is why they weren't able to knock Alabama off. Yeah. That's that's some Bennett you're, uh, you're talking about here, quarterback for Georgia. And you know, you're right. It's one of those things where you get to the big game and we kind of all knew, you know, Alabama being as loaded as, they are on both sides of the ball that it's going to come down to who has the better quarterback. Well, unfortunately for Georgia, Alabama has Bryce Young, who is, which we'll get to a little bit, a little bit here, but he's one of the front runners for Heisman uh, bid here. Um, if Bryce Young on one side, it's going to be a top quarterback in 2023 or 2024, whenever he decides to leave and, and head to the NFL. And then you have Stetson Bennett, who, you know, is what he is. You know, he's, he, I, I saw a good tweet. Um, I forget who tweeted out there, but, you know, Setson Bennett, it's one of those things where, you know, you're looking at this game individually in a vacuum. Setson Bennett was not the reason why the Georgia lost this game. Um, certainly Alabama being able to do whatever they wanted against Georgia's defense in the first half was clearly the bigger uh, storyline here from, you know, that aspect of things. Uh, but, you know, going into this game, we kind of all knew that Alabama was, you know, Georgia didn't really have a chance in this one because Stetson Bennett was their quarterback. He's not a guy who's going to elevate what you have. And when you have, you know, 
you know, receiving core where George Pickens, he, he's just coming back from uh, an injury. You know, he's probably not 100% still. He's still not getting integrated into the passing game. It was going to be a struggle against a very, very talented Alabama defense. And, I mean, that's what we saw. Georgia really couldn't do anything offensively uh, for the majority of this game until we got to garbage time. They put together some, you know, garbage, garbage time scores there. Um, you know, Will Anderson – uh, for Alabama, had two sacks in this one. He was a game wrecker once again on that side of the ball. It, it was just one of those things where, you, you you know, Alabama's been the bully in the SEC conference for a decade now, ever since Nick Saban got there. And it was just another example of how, you know, everyone wants to, everyone wants to keep on writing off Alabama. And I, I get it. You know, they've been the evil empire in college football. They pretty much ruined this thing for a lot of people because you know what's the point of watching college football when we know that Alabama is going to win every single year and that's a fair point um but I mean the fact that you know they went into this this past weekend you know people were legitimately counting them out or you know suggesting the fact suggesting the um possibility that they could miss out on the college football playoff and for them to put together that I mean it, it certainly it does not bode well for Cincinnati here who you know let's just I'll just say it um you know, it's really cool to see a um, a small mid-major school like Cincinnati get the opportunity here because this is something where Cincinnati, they've been a great program over the past couple of years, and they just haven't, you know, they needed a lot of a lot of things to go their way in order to make it to the Final Four this time around here. And this is going to be a great test for Desmond Ritter and, you know, what his NFL prospects are because he's played well as of late this season. Uh, but I... I I'm not too optimistic that this will be a good game. I, I have a feeling that Alabama is going to win that one pretty, pretty convincingly. But like you said, um, the Michigan Georgia game is going to be interesting because I feel like those are, you know, that's going to be a really good matchup between two teams that I think are very similar. We got two teams that are going to try to run the ball offensively and manage the game there. You know, they don't really have great quarterback play, but what has been the lifeblood of these programs this season, uh, especially for Georgia has been their defense. Georgia, you know, like I said before, they have a historically great defense at the college football level. I know they got exposed a little bit, but again, that's against a really talented Alabama offense who, you know, has playmakers all over the place. They have first-round talents at wide receiver every single year. They have multiple guys. Um, they're going up against a Michigan team that does not have that type of talent offensively. You know, what they do have, though, is Aiden Hutchinson on the defensive side of the ball. He's a game wrecker against Iowa once again. And I, I'm really intrigued to see what Aiden Hutchinson – Hutchinson does against probably what is going to be, if not Ohio State, you know, Georgia has, I think, the second or first best offensive line that Hutchinson is going to go up against. And this is going to be a big showcase here because Hutchinson has put himself in that conversation to be the top edge rusher in his upcoming class. And he's going to have a big stage now to kind of make his point that he deserves to be the number one guy. Yeah, so Georgia, I think, just has talent all across the defensive side of the football. And I shouldn't even say I think. I should say I know that they have a lot of talent because you have these players like Nicobe Dean that have really been phenomenal all year. But I really think the bigger focus here for me in this Michigan-Georgia game is going to be specifically on Michigan because when you watch Michigan, there's one player that continues to stick out, and you mentioned him, Aiden Hutchinson. I mean, Hutchinson had a really good game on um Saturday night, and you just saw it. I mean, he was pretty much all over the place and making stops, and he essentially set the tone in the first quarter for the Wolverines defense and was just like, hey, guys, listen, 
we're here to win. We're here to win this game. And you could just feel watching the game that there was something in the air that kind of you knew there was no way Iowa really even had a chance in this game. So when you look at Hutchinson, his rise has been so fascinating because there were a lot of people who kind of went into the year and were talking about how Oregon's Kayvon Thibodeau, that pass rusher, is going to be the number one overall pick, and he's the only blue-chip prospect. Well, guess what? Turns out Aiden Hutchinson's probably right up there with Kayvon Thibodeau, and so it's going to be a very interesting next couple of months as we get into draft season because if Michigan some way, somehow finds a way to get to the national championship. And then Aiden Hutchinson has a big game in the national championship. You're going to see him start to skyrocket up draft boards and really casual fans are going to take note of, okay, so it's not just Thibodeau, it's Aiden Hutchinson as well, because he's shown and proven that, Hey, guess what? I'm not just the, another edge rusher in this draft class. I'm not going to be the Robin to cave on Thibodeau's Batman. I'm going to be a player who is the, kind of impact player that any team can continue to build around. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, and speaking of Aiden Hutchinson, that kind of goes to our next topic here, and that's you know not only did the college football playoff get finalized here, but uh, a Heisman finalist got finalized as well. And you look at that, Aiden Hutchinson, he's the only defensive player that's on here with three other quarterbacks, that being Bryce Young out of Alabama, uh, C.J. Stroud out of Ohio State, and then Kenny Pickett out of Pittsburgh. So Hutchinson, he has that kind of, uh, I guess, prestige to where he can say that you know, I was the only defensive player on the ballot here uh, for the Heisman finals here. I, I find this to be really interesting because this is a very wide open year for the Heisman race here. There's not really that one guy that, that stands out really, you know, in years past, you talked about, you know, obviously Joe Burrow and his year in 2019, obvious case where, you know, he was the best player in college football, having a historic season, you know, that was going to work out in his favor. Uh, Devonte Smith was clearly the most dominant football, player in college football and he was putting up the best numbers uh last year when he won the award so i mean some of these things are just obvious this year i don't really know um you know bryce young out of alabama has kind of the momentum going because he had that comeback victory against auburn he's come on strong late um and then he has this game against georgia where he, he was awesome against a, a really good uh, georgia defense obviously and but, I mean, you look at it, Kenny Pickett here, he's probably, if you're going to look at this from a number standpoint, Kenny Pickett probably has the best argument. Um, he's, he's been one of the more efficient quarterbacks in college football. Obviously, he doesn't have as strong of a schedule to go up against. Um, and being a one-year wonder himself, you have to take into account that Pittsburgh, they're, they're nowhere near college football playoff contention. So, you know, that, that might 
you know, take some shine off his name as well. And then CJ Stroud, you know, kind of fell apart for him late there against Michigan where he did not have, he didn't have a bad game, but he didn't, you know, have a great game by any means. Um, you know, he, he had a really good season as well, though, even though he, you know, he's kind of struggled early, struggled a little bit, kind of faded a little bit late, but you know, he had a really strong season as well. So it's one of those things you say where I don't know where this goes, you know, who do you think is kind of the front runner here for this Heisman Heisman pick uh, going when we look at this thing from just these four specifically? Yeah, when I look at this list of finalists, I mean, I think it boils down to two people. It's either going to be Bryce Young or it's going to be Aiden Hutchinson. And the reason I say that is because these two are clearly the some of the most decorated players in college football with just everything that they put on tape. I mean, Bryce Young, I think that I wouldn't be surprised if another Alabama player actually ended up winning this. And then Aiden Hutchinson, like we touched on a couple of minutes ago, he's had a real phenomenal season as well. So every year it seems like the list of who should be Heisman there's five or six good names but then at the end of the day it's just like it really boils down to two people and so I think if I had to predict who's gonna win this I'm gonna go ahead and say it's Bryce Young over Aiden Hutchinson yeah I think ultimately you know look at it I think because you know Bryce Young is the offensive player it's probably gonna go in his direction here for this one, 43 touchdowns, only four interceptions for the season, just ridiculous stat-wise. Um, I, I I think Bryce Young is probably the guy that wins it. He's got the most high-profile program. But Aiden Hutchinson is a good story, I think, to where he, he could have the narrative on his side because you look at Michigan, you know, they under Jim Har- under uh, Harbaugh here, you know, they haven't had quite as much success. They finally, this is the year they get over the hump. You know, Alabama, they're, they, they put up great numbers every single year in offense. And, and it's just, you have to wonder – you know, Bryce Young, he's great, obviously, but, you know, is he, is he great because he's great, great player by himself, but, you know, is he being propped up a little bit by the situation around him? Whereas Aiden Hutchinson was kind of the guy that set the tone for Michigan this year. And he was the catalyst for them uh, really getting into contention for a college football playoff win here. And, you know, he got his season 15 and a half tackles for loss, 13 sacks on the year, uh, three passes defended actually in two forced fumbles. So a guy that's kind of, you know, kind of stacking up the statue a little bit. Um, I would like, to, you know, personally having my bias as a guy who likes to study pass rushers and offensive line play, I would love to see Aiden Hutchinson win it just, you know, selfishly because it, it, it would be a break from, you know, just, just having it go to the best offensive player award, which, you know, you know, I get it. It's the most more impactful position, obviously. Um, and from that standpoint, um, if we're doing a college football MVP, then yeah, you go with the quarterback here. But if we're going with, um, you know, the most Heisman, it's a lot, the Heisman award is a lot more about, you know, who is the most spectacular player, who was the more most dominant player. And I think Aiden Hutchinson, you can make the argument that he was the most dominant spectacular player in college football this year relative to position, because, you know, he, he just demoralized opposing offensive line and took over games with his presence, both in the run game and in the pass game. But this kind of leads me to the final thing here before we, you know, cover this Bears-Packers game briefly to, to end this show. And that's where I want to get who our Heisman snubs are. So you said, uh, you know, who is one player that you think, you know, if he should not, you know, if it, whether, you know, he should have made the list or not, or whether, you know, you think he deserves, you know, some recognition for just missing the cut. Who is your Heisman snub here for a, a guy that could have made the list here to, to earn a nod, basically? 
Yeah, so for me, and I'm going to keep this real quick, but it's Kenneth Walker from Michigan State. You look at Kenneth Walker, kind of a lot of people were surprised he transferred out of Wake Forest, but then kind of goes into East Lansing, and there's all of a sudden these crazy expectations for, hey, what is the sky really the limit for Kenneth Walker? What exactly can he do more? But you look at Kenneth Walker here, I mean, he's average, I think, like just under 140, 145 yards a game. And then he's averaging just under about, I think it's like six and a half yards per carry. So certainly you see the big play potential and the ability there. Now, I do think Walker's biggest game ended up coming against um, Michigan back in mid-October or towards the end of October, he ran for about 200 yards. And I think it was like five or six rushing touchdowns. And he was actually, I think, one of the big reasons that Michigan State ended up handing Michigan one of their only losses of this season. And so when you kind of have a player like that, I think that, yeah, Kenneth Walker should have really gotten Heisman consideration because you could make an argument. His performance against the Wolverines alone is enough to warrant being the best player in college football. Yeah, I mean, Kenneth Walker, he's essentially the main reason, the, the only reason why Michigan State was in contention for, you know, being a highly ranked program for a good portion of this year. Um, Walker was the engine that kind of ran that program here. And, you know, I, I agree. I think he's one of those things where you had to look at, you know, some of the other finals here, like Pickett and Strouds, just especially, especially. I, I know both of those guys had really fantastic seasons, but what the, was it spectacular enough to override a guy like uh, Kenneth Walker, who, I mean, definitely from the running back position, put his program on his back this year. I, I can see that from an offensive standpoint. I'm going to go with, uh, for my husband's snub, I'm going to go a different direction and go back to the defensive side of the ball because um, I, I definitely think probably the biggest snub this year uh, has to be Will Anderson of Alabama. I mean, this is a ridiculous snub because, you know, I talk about Aiden Hutchinson being the most dominant football player in college football this season. And I stand by that statement when you're just looking at, you know, pure impact. I think Aiden Hutchinson really impacted the game more uh, this, this particular season all around. But if we're just going, looking at this thing from a statistical standpoint, I mean, if you're going to put Aiden Hutchinson here as a finalist for the Heisman award, you have to do the same for Will Anderson here because Will Anderson had a ridiculous season uh, not only did he have 91 total tackles here from the linebacker, rushing linebacker spot, but I mean, just look at this 28 and a half tackles for loss this season, just absolutely ridiculous and 15 sacks as well. I mean, it was a bonkers year from Anderson at that, at that linebacker spot for Alabama. And it just goes, to, it goes to show that, you know, offense dominates today, obviously in football, we, we know that that's not a surprise here. I'm not saying it shouldn't dominate the conversation, but you know, do we really need to have a Kenny Pickett who, you know, Pittsburgh wasn't even close to playoff contender status this year, or, you know, CJ Stroud, who, you know, had a really strong middle portion of the season, but he had, some, he had some struggles early on in the year and late in the year to where he kind of tailed off near the end. You know, why are, are we not recognizing the excellence that was Will Anderson, who, who was right up there with Aiden Hutchinson for most dominant defensive player in football this season. So I, you know, Will Anderson, he's, he's a dominant football player, and we'll see what happens uh, when we get to college football playoff because I, I feel so bad for uh, Cincinnati offensive line. They're going to have to block this guy because he's just so damn good. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's going to be fun to watch there. And I, I'm hoping that while I'm predicting at this point that Georgia is probably going to beat Michigan, I'm hoping that we do get Michigan in, in the final 
uh, contest against Alabama, just so we can see these two defensive Titans kind of face off against each other, because that'll be really fun to watch. I think both because, you know, Bryce Young, really good quarterback, obviously, too. You want to see him in the big game. Um, but I love watching good defensive football, and those two guys were the best players this year. Um, we look at Aiden Hutchinson and Will Anderson. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, you said uh, that's going to bring us to the final section of our podcast here today, and that's going over you know, shifting away from college football and going back to the bears here. Let's break down this bears Packers matchup. It's Packers week. Once again, um, you know, last time I felt like I was a lot more excited to watch the game. Obviously, you know, Justin Fields was, you know, in the first few starts of his career there um, right now. And also the bears were coming off a win. I believe they beat the Las Vegas Raiders. I think if my memory serves correct. Um, but right now with the bears losing, I think seven of their last eight at this point, uh, the season is over. Um, we know the writings on the wall. We talked about this early, the writings on the wall for Matt Nagy and this, and this regime and this front office maybe as well. Um, and it just feels like it's setting up for a situation where the bears going to Lambeau on Sunday night football, it feels like a game where they're just going to get spanked on national television. It's not going to be a fun game to watch. Um, you know, I don't know if you feel the same way you say, but let, let's just get into our prediction here for this one. Uh, what are your what's your prediction for this game, this one, and uh, who's going to be your X factor for this game, Bears Packers? Yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and say this Bears Packers. I'm super excited. I think X factor is certainly going to be Justin Fields coming back after missing two games. So how is Justin Fields going to look? It's his first time ever going up to Lambeau Field. This game certainly got a way more interesting now that Justin Fields is playing despite the fact that Matt Nagy's never won a game at Lambeau Field but I do think the Packers are rolling right now so it's going to take a lot for the Bears to go into Lambeau Field and pull off a big upset but I'm going to go ahead and say this Packers 31 Bears 24. Yeah I, I think this game is it's setting up to where I agree it's a lot more interesting with Justin Fields in the mix here it certainly makes it more worthy to watch because I don't know if I'd be able to get through this game if Andy Dalton was starting I'll just be just be honest right here I, I don't know I probably would have like started to watch the game but once things got bad I probably would have turned it off uh, I'm just being honest here it, it's getting to that point of the year uh, with this team but Justin Fields he makes it worth to, worth it to watch every single Sunday every single snap too because I just want you just want to see how he's progressing and how he's doing as a player. And uh, he's also just more fun to watch. Um, but, you know, in terms of prediction here, I think the Packers are going to win this game 35 and I'm going to go 35 to 20 in this one. It's going to be a situation again, where I think, you know, the bears are going to try to shorten the game, run the ball a lot early um, and try to keep the things close early on. But I, I just don't think they're going to be able to, I think this Packers team, they're coming off the bye week. They're getting healthier. I think they're getting Jair Alexander back at the quarterback spot for them. They're all pro corner. So that hurts the Bears' chances in the passing game. They, they already don't have a good passing game. You know, we'll see Allen Robinson. He, he's, he was listed at que as questionable in today's practice. So he might be back playing in this one, which is a, you know, I, I would say in previous years, that's a huge boost for this offense. But, you know, with the way Allen Robinson 
has played so far this year, Henson with dealing with that hamstring injury and just the fact that I think he's mentally checked out this year because he's looking forward to free agency and, and just getting the heck out of here, uh, getting away from his coaching staff, getting away from his organization um, that, you know, who knows? And it seems like Nagy and his coaching staff has, has phased him out of the offense too. You know, they, they clearly see Darnell Mooney as the number one guy moving forward here, but you know, I, I'm sticking with my 35 to 20 prediction here. And as in, in terms of the X factor, yeah, I, I agree. I think it's going to be uh, Justin Fields here. He's the X factor. He's the only reason why it's worth watching this game, really, because I don't think it's going to be a phone to watch. Uh, you know, my parents, they're going to be at the game. Uh, they have a friend who's lucky enough to get box tickets. Um, so they're going to be in a, in a box with a bunch of Packers fans. So Bears fans, uh, send, their, send your prayers and, and thoughts to them because – they're going to have a rough evening. I feel like for this one. Um, so I'm not, I'm not, I do not pity that. I do not. Uh, I, I would not want to be in their place. You know, as much as I would love to go to a game at Lambeau field, this is not one I, I really look forward to going to. So I, I hope things work well for them, but yeah, I, I don't think this game is going to be very close. I, I'm not really looking forward to this one overall. I'm hoping that we get some flashes from Justin Fields, though, and that's why he's the X factor here. If he can, you know, even if he doesn't have the greatest game against a you know a pretty good Packers defense, as long as he shows you some flashes and some signs of growth and improvement, that's really what we're here for. All we have to watch here in the last five games is Justin Fields. How is he doing? How is he progressing? And, you know, something to look forward to for next year where hopefully – we have a better regime in place, a better coaching staff in place, and hopefully more talent to support Justin Fields on the offensive side of the ball. All right, that's going to wrap it up for us here at Picks for Pace. I want to thank all of our listeners once again for tuning in on all podcasting platforms. Make sure to give us a follow on Twitter at our Twitter account at Picks for Pace and just for our updates and uh, for what we tweet out on College Football Saturdays and for especially when we get to the bowl games and uh, the college football playoff coming up. Definitely going to be doing a lot of live tweeting during that. And to follow us specifically, let's get to our social accounts here. You said, where can our listeners follow you on Twitter and find your work? Yeah, guys, you can follow me on Twitter at Usaid Koshal. Check out my work on the Bear Report. We are dropping a lot of really good stuff. So you're missing out big time if you're not following us on Twitter and you're not on bearreport.com daily. Yeah, absolutely. Make sure you give Usaid a follow. Make sure to check out him out on the Bear Report and what he does for us there. Uh, as for me, you can follow me on Twitter at AJFreeman25. You can find my work on the Bear Report as well. And make sure to follow the Bear Report on YouTube and subscribe to us there. We haven't been very busy with YouTube videos uh, recently. Uh, like I said, I think a couple of weeks ago, um, having some technical issues with uh, in terms of my film stuff. Um, haven't been able to get some stuff out and just a lot of things going on in my, in my personal life as well. But uh, we do have a lot, a lot of stuff planned for our Bearport YouTube channel. So keep an eye out for stuff going on there. Uh, all right. I want to thank our listeners once again for tuning in here. Uh, you know, we're looking forward to hopefully the Bears can surprise us against the Packers on Sunday. Uh, it's going to be uh, it's going to be an interesting one. So buckle up, Bears fans. You know, I hope you guys have a great, happy and safe weekend. And hopefully we're talking about some positives next week when we uh, are getting through Packer week here. And hopefully we have some positives to talk about moving forward. Have a great weekend, everybody. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. 
Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.